Hey, this is Tolly Wilkins of Captivate Church, and we're so glad you've joined us on our podcast today. This is one way that we can take our message from Baltimore all across the world. We pray that today encourages you, inspires you to become the man or woman that God's designed you to be. So today we're talking in our uh, fourth week, fourth installment of uh, Beloved. And as we talk about Beloved, we've been talking about the first John. And we started our journey um, towards the back of the book, and we've worked our way forward, really because we started with the punchline. And the punchline is essentially that you and I cannot manufacture or create love on our own. Um, Love is not something that you and I get to manufacture, because if it were that way, then you and I inevitably would add in our own preferences and our own sin and our own desires. And so our version of what pure love looks like wouldn't be all that pure. But the scriptures give a remedy to that. The scriptures say that, that you and I, were loved because God first loved us. And it's that type of love. God is love. It's that type of love that we can then pass on to the rest of the world. So that if we can get out of the way long enough, and if we can simply let it be a pass-through economy, then God will have his way uh, throughout humanity because we're demonstrating the love, not that comes from us, from within us that we've built and we've created, but we're passing along the love that came to us. And, and therefore it goes through us. And so that's kind of the punchline about, about love in the series is that many of us, we're trying to manufacture what we think love might be. And as a consequence, we end up adding a bunch of garbage to it and causes a lot of pain. And uh, then people spend time in their adulthood trying to unravel the, uh, the, the messed up views of love that were put on them when they were younger. And so the, the gospel essentially calls us to say, hey, um, Tolly, that's, that's great, Tolly, that you got a, a view of love, but um, I think I'm God and I've got a better view. And so why don't you just pass on to people what I pass on to you? And what I passed on to you was pure and undefiled and excellent. And uh, I passed on to you a love that didn't require anything of you first. A love that when you fall down and skin your knee, the love picks you back up and sends you on your way, doesn't try to ridicule and hold you down. And so many of us, we yearn for that kind of love, but we don't necessarily distribute it. And so we've been talking these last few weeks about how that works and what the scriptures call us to. And so today we end up in uh, the beginning of 1 John chapter 2. And really the, the question that we all have is this, is, is just how do, we, how do we get restored when we've let love down? How, how do we get restored? What, what does that look like? I, I know in my family with my kids, it's, it's tough to balance, you know, the, um, the fun, jovial, crazy, goofy dad, and then also like the disciplinarian, do your homework, clean your room dad. Um, but that has to happen. It's all a part of the same spectrum. And in the same way, many of us, we love the idea of coming to God and say, God, you love me relentlessly and um, singing the songs about you're chasing me down and, and, and you're lighting up the sky and ah, oh, and, and we're just, we love all that metaphor, but it's tougher to say, but God, I let you down. Like, God, I, I really royally blew it this time. And so I've noticed a lot of times what people will do in the, in the Christian faith is that they'll kind of disengage and they'll kind of just say, I don't know how to, to make that walk back. I, I don't really know what that vibe's all about. And so I'm just going to kind of back away and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do the Heisman to God for a little while. And unfortunately, as you guys know, if you've been around a little while, that doesn't really help. Uh, You end up doing the Heisman, you end up pushing away, you end up creating even more distance between you and God, but you don't feel necessarily better 
inside your soul. So long as the, the Spirit of God is still there, the Spirit of God says, hey, come home, come home. And you're like, I, I just don't even know. And so today I want to talk to you about that. First John chapter 2, we're going to read it together. I'm going to read this whole uh, passage, uh, six verses at the beginning of 1 John 2, and, uh, and then we'll break it all down. But it goes like this. My little children... I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. And by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly, the love of God is perfected. By this, we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So he's like, hey, you know what? You, you can all day long say that, that, that you're, you're close to God, but, but the reality is, is that I'm writing all these things so that you wouldn't sin. But it's not even just that you would sin. You're, you and I, were bound to sin at, at times. It's not just that. It's that how do you walk? How, how do you walk? And we talked a few weeks ago that some, some people will just swim in sin and do the backstroke and wonder why, hey, uh, God, where are you? What's going on? And so this passage um, draws to mind that same kind of idea, the idea that, you know what, you, you and I, we can't just walk in sin, away from the light, walk in darkness, and then still claim to have the truth in us. So there's this separation that has to happen. So we're going to break it all down. And in first verse, it says this, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not, what? Sin. So that you may not sin. So the, the goal at the very beginning, it, once you're in Christ, the goal is not that you say, oh, well, good, I'm, I'm, I'm good with God. He loves me relentlessly. Um, I had somebody tell me um, this week, actually, through, through a friend, that, oh, you know, God, God loves me. Um, God loves people relentlessly anyway, so it doesn't really matter. And it's just like this attitude that we're, we, we can twist and take advantage of God. And so as a result, we don't even worry about if we have sin issues. But actually it says right there, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. You see, we're not loved to sinlessness, but we are loved to sin less. We're, we're not loved into sinlessness. When you become a Christ follower, when he died while you were still in your sin, it, it wasn't to say, hey, you know what? As soon as someone becomes my child, no more sin ever happens. Has that been your experience? You, you're Anybody free from sin now, completely? Nope. All right. So the, 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 the experience of the Christian is not that all of a sudden you, you give your life to Christ and there is no more sin. That's not the experience that we have. However, to discount it because of that and say, well, it doesn't really matter if I do or if I don't or if I obey God or if I won't. It doesn't really matter because he's got to love me anyway. I mean, he's God. And it's really that, that, um, mentality that can grow or deepen your walk with God. Am I called to Christ? Am I surrendered to Christ so that I will continue 
in my sin? Or am I called and surrendered to Christ so that I will sin less? I will start to look more and more like Jesus. I've um, shared with you before that when you meet somebody that is um, that has grown in their their uh, faith, when you meet somebody who has been in the faith for a while, what you're going to find is not that they uh, all of a sudden um, are arrogant and they look down at everybody who has every other kind of sin issue. In fact, what you're going to find is usually if they're a mature Christian, they have such humility about where they are and they have humility for the journey of other people because they realize, man, the, the more I grow in my faith, the more I grow in this whole thing, the less I realize I actually know. The, the less that I see uh, an, an opportunity here for me to be arrogant. Because the more that I am in the faith, the more sin issues I realize that I battle with. And so as you grow as a Christian, as you mature as a Christian, you get less and less ignorant or arrogant. You, you become much more humble. You become much more uh, willing to forgive. You become much more the person that invites others in and says, hey, let's heal together. Um, that you're on the same journey I'm on and we're in different places, but you know what? We, we all struggle. Let's, let's figure this thing out together. And so he starts out by saying, though, that you know what? We're not loved in a sinlessness, but we are loved to sin less. You've got to start with just saying, you know what? It is a goal of my faith for me to obey God. It, it is a goal for me to become the man or the woman that he designed me to be. That is a flat-out goal. It's not something that I'm going to make light of. Unfortunately, honestly, um, in our in our society right now, even inside of the, the pop Christian culture, um, it's like, man, let's diminish all of this stuff and uh, let's pretend it doesn't even matter and let's just celebrate um, love and celebrate these, these abstract ideals instead of saying, you know what, no, this is a real God that really did die on the cross for me and it was real blood and, and it created real distance. And so I don't want to continue to create that. Also, what it does is it diminishes my testimony for people that are outside of this whole thing, that just look at my life and say, man, what a life change. What a life change. That guy's still uh, deep into the sin, up to his elbows. And so what a life change. And so what we want to be able to say is, no, you know what? I'm not sinless, but I do sin less. We go on. It says this, and but if anyone does sin, so he's, he's giving... Um, that to us there, that, that, that uh, sin may happen. But if anyone does sin, we have a what? An advocate. Can you say that again? We have an advocate. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. If you're jotting notes, write this down. Love never causes a fall, but when we fall, we have a loving advocate. Love never causes us to fall away. God, God is not the reason that you and I fall into our sin. But in fact, when we fall into sin, when you sit back and you say, man, how is this love thing working between me and God if I continue to, to just behave this way and I continue to do what I shouldn't do? And Romans 7 describes my existence. What do I do from here? One of the very best things you can do for yourself when you find yourself uh, by yourself, separated from God, when you find yourself in that situation, one of the very best things you can do is to just write the word advocate. 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 I um, recently, something, some paperwork got messed up with uh, the, the city, and so 
the church had to file a few pieces of paper and uh, got it all worked out. But in the meantime, there was this moment where I was just like, well, I can totally do this, um, although there's a few procedures I want to make sure get checked off. And so I went and hired an advocate and said, hey, can you go ahead and handle that for us? And so in that process, what you're doing is you're, you're getting someone who knows the way and who has gone the way and who understands all the paths that can speak on your behalf. You see, you and I, when we fall into sin, if we have any semblance of Christ at all, then we're faced with a fork in the road. We either believe the scriptures, that there is an advocate that stands for us before our Father, so that when we uh, repent, that we're made right, we're justified, just as if I had never sinned. Or we fall into the trap where many people do in love, and we fall into this trap where we say, you know, I really ruined it this time. I'm not worth it to anybody. I can't even keep my, 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 myself together. I, I, I keep doing this. And what happens is, is that you, you have an advocate but you also, the scripture says, you have an accuser. And so you have to ask yourself, in the middle of this love relationship with God, am I going to uh, champion the advocate or am I going to champion the accuser? And you and I, we have to be careful with our voice because uh, your voice is the one that gets the most airplay inside your head. And, and when you find yourself in a spot where you royally blew it with God, you can either spend your energy and your time and your emotions championing the, the accuser, or you can say, but Lord, I have an advocate, and his name is Jesus. And it is through Jesus that I am made whole and well. It is not through myself. I am broken over the sin issue. I am sorry, I do repent. Repent is a military term to, to turn 180 degrees and march the other way. So you, you repent, but you also say, you know what, Lord? I'm not going to sit and let the accuser continue to feed me every day about how bad I am and how unworthy I am and how God cannot possibly love me and how the people around me, I, I don't deserve anybody and they don't even want me. And, and I have to make a conscious decision every day, and so do you to listen to the accuser or to listen to the advocate. Now, remembering verse 1, I, I have to do all of that understanding that, that the goal is to not be in sin. And so I can't just say, oh, well, I'm listening to my advocate while I continue to sin. That's not how it works. But how it works is when you understand that, no, 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 the sin is wrong. I, I, I didn't want to go there. I shouldn't go there. I don't want to be that kind of person. However, now that I've repented, now that I understand that, now that God and I are on the same exact page, I agree with God over my sin. From there, what do I do? Well, I'm going to choose to go to the advocate. I'm not going to drown myself in the sorrows of the accuser. Because the accuser, for some of us in this room, and I'm not sure what stage you are, there's a proper time for repentance. There's a proper time for uh, restitution and reconciliation. There's a proper time for these things. But in the middle of that, the accuser does not want you to get back in the game. 
The accuser does not want Christians who have bumped their knee to get up and get bandaged and get back in the game and continue to tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ. And so you've got to decide, am I going to, to in, in, on the other side of my sin, am I going to sit in my sin and just let the accuser tell me all that I'm not? Or am I going to stand up and realize that I have an advocate? I have an advocate before my father. And my father is not eager, the scripture says, is not eager to be aware and to be cognizant of my sin. In fact, the scripture says in another place that, that, that he separates your, your sin from the east, from the west, for his own sake. Because he's a loving dad. He's a doting dad. He doesn't want to just remember all of your bad things and all of the sin in your life. That's not what God's about. Now, the accuser, on the other hand, would love to remind you about your failures every single day. And the way you have to walk is you have to decide, hey, now, have I repented? Have I gone to the Lord and said, Lord, I, I failed you this time. I, I could have handled that better, should have handled that better. And, and, and all sin issues, by the way, are, are uh, lack of faith issues. Sins are usually shortcuts to something that God had promised. And so many of us, when we're in our sin, really what it's a confession of is not really that, oh, I wanted to, to do this or to do that right in that moment. But really it's a shortcut to something else that God's trying to do in our life. And so um, all the, the types of big capital S sins um, that we can think of, they're short-circuiting something better for us that may take longer, might take more discipline, but we say, well, I'm going to short-circuit that. And as a result, we need to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I repent of that. And I repent not only of the action, I repent of the fact that I wasn't trusting you in the middle of it. I didn't want to wait for you to restore my marriage, so I stepped outside. I, I didn't want to wait to have sex before we got married, so I, I did that. And, and we go on and on and on. Um, Lord, I didn't want to walk through the hard um, necessity to, to go through counseling and sit down and work with somebody. So I, instead, I started to, to pop pills to, to just numb myself. And so whatever it might be, big or little, we walk through our life and we say, you know what? Lord, I short-circuited your plan for me. And for that, I'm sorry, every bit as much or even more than the actual behavior that I did. Because the behavior is just a byproduct of a lack of faith in that moment. And so what you do is, is you go to God and you say, God, I need an advocate. I, I, I need the advocate of Jesus. I need the advocate of Jesus, not only for my own sin to make sure that I know I'm right with you again, but I also need that advocate because there's going to be a day in a, in a day or a, a week or a month where I'm going to be faced with another fork in the road. And I need that advocate to be so present with me that I make the right decision and that I don't go back down to this place to where the accuser can have one on me again. And friends, can I encourage you as Christians who um, you see brokenness all around you, align yourself with the advocate. Align yourself with the advocate. When you find that there has been somebody that has fallen, but they're genuinely ready to, to make things right, they're, they're repentant, align yourself with the advocate. What role can I play at this point? And at this point, if the person has repented, they don't need any more accusers. What they need is for you to look more like Jesus than you do the accuser. 
And so for us, we could all learn a lesson as Christ followers who may not be tied in a particular predicament at that moment. We could all learn the lesson to say, you know what? I'm aligning my life with the advocate. When a person has fallen, I'm not going to get joy out of piling on. I'm not going to get joy out of continuing to diminish the glory of God that is in them, the Imago Dei. I am, I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to do is align myself with the advocate. My Father in heaven who loves his children so much that he sent Jesus. Jesus' blood covers every sin, past, present, future. And as a result, my job, the best thing I could do, is to not lord over someone, but rather to point them towards the Lord. Amen? Amen. So I want to encourage you, no matter where you find yourself, whether it's you, yourself, having to be restored and uh, having let God down, I want you to remember you have an advocate. And if you're around some friends or loved ones, I want you to be the advocate and to say, to point them to the real one, to say, you know what, uh, give all this to Jesus. And, uh, and, and I've told um, several people actually this week, I had a, a long week with different meetings, and I said, you know, um, we learn best when we're broken. Um, we don't learn best when we're winning. You ever meet somebody that like won a race and they're just like, oh man, learn so much. No, they're just like, I'm a, I'm a victor. I won. And what we do when things are kind of going chill, we're not usually learning. And so these opportunities when you find people and they have fell because of their sin, they, they recognize it, they acknowledge it. When they're in that moment, please understand, you're dealing with somebody that is probably catching more concepts and ideas and more of the heart of God right in that moment than the person over here who believes they haven't sinned in three weeks. And so when we realize that about each other, we can become more grace-filled in the person that's ready to, to walk that redemption road. And they know more about God in that moment than the rest of us that feel like we got it all together. So take the time and say, you know what? I'm aligning myself with the advocate. The scripture goes on and says, and by this, and by this, we know that we have come to know him. How do we know for sure? Because then you might say, well, pastor, there are people all the time that, that sin and continue to sin. And, and, and so the scripture said itself that we're, we're not supposed to sin. That's not why Jesus saved us to continue in our sin. That's absolutely right. And then we have an advocate, yes, but how do we discern the difference? What, what do we do in the meantime where we're saying we're not really sure? Like, am I, am I right with God and I accidentally sin? Or am I really just not right with God? I'm playing church games, but I'm living in this sin and I'm taking advantage of the idea that there's an advocate and I'm hurting people around me regularly. How do I handle that? Like, how do we know what's going on? And this is where it clears it up. It says, and by this, we know that we have come to know him. You want to know for sure, for certain, forever. If we keep his what? Commandments. If we keep his commandments. How, how do you know that you're right and walking with the Lord? If you look at his commandments as a blessing over your life and you say, Lord, I, I, as I learned them, I want to live them. I want to learn and to live the gospel of Christ. Keep the commandments. Many of us, we don't like the word. You know why? Most of the beginning of the word says command. You don't command me to do nothing, right? You've been saying that since you were two years old with your parents. And so as a result, we just kind of don't like this idea uh, of, of being told to do something. And so we, we push away. But what if we embraced it as a blessing? What if like a parent who loves their children, a child starts to see their parent different and say, you know, 
mom and dad, they're not trying to ruin my life. They're, they're not trying to hurt me when they set up boundaries and, and they do uh, bedtime and dinner time and clean your room and all these things, how to handle money. They're, they're not trying to hurt me. They're actually trying to bless me. And, and I'm the one that's kind of pulling back. And so what if we started to look at commandments and say, God, you're not trying to hurt me at all. You're trying to bless me. You're trying to give me the path to walk down. So how do we know that we've come to know him? If we keep his commandments. Whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a what? A liar. We don't like to say this in 2019. Everybody can be right all the time. It's just not true. There, there really is a plumb line, and the plumb line is Christ. And, and so we look and we say, you know, it says, but it, if you don't keep it, whoever says I know him but doesn't keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is what? Perfected. God's love is perfected in us when we honor his word, when we keep his word. By this, we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Write this down if you're jotting notes. God's love is perfected when we walk in perfect rest. God loves, God's love is perfected when we walk in perfect rest. Walking in rest sounds like a contradiction, huh? But the scripture says to abide, to abide in him. That when we see his commands, we, 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 uh, we walk in that way. We agree with God. Essentially, that's what life and love is, agreeing with God. And so when we hear a command of God, when we know a boundary that God has established for us, we, we find joy in walking in it because we say, that's where I'm going to find truth. Now, over time, what happens initially when you're still battling with, with the accuser and when you're still battling with your own sinful flesh, that is a difficult bridge to walk over. When we start to say, okay, God, I, I'm going to obey you even right now, but my, my flesh is pulling a whole different direction. But what happens is that over time, you begin to say yes to God and yes to God and yes to God. And all of a sudden you realize, gee, life is better when I'm saying yes to my Lord. And so over time, you begin to say, gee, it's not even that much of a temptation to go try to live uh, an arrogant, um, uh, flesh-filled life. It's actually more joy is found, more rest is found in just saying yes to my dad. Because my dad loves me. My dad knows all things. My daddy wants me to be well and healthy and joyful like he desires good things for his kids. And so as a result, I can say yes to him. And over time, what happens is that that becomes rest and not work. And so as a result, God's love is perfected in us when we walk in perfect rest. Many of us, our walk is filled with sin issues and character potholes and pride that gets in the way obstacles that we've created because of our own attitude and actions. But the gospel opens up this new path where we say, you know what, Lord? It's pretty easy for me to rest. I just say yes to you. And if it's there in the scriptures and you've, you've told me it's a good thing, then just go. 
If it's in the scriptures that, hey, it's a bad thing, that's a boundary, well, I'll just avoid that. And at the end of it all, enough uh, adding up steps where I'm just resting in the confidence of my God, then suddenly love is perfected in me. I begin to look like the man or the woman that God designed. I begin to look like a follower that follows and not a follower that rebels. I begin to look like someone that matches the scriptures. I begin to look like Jesus. And love is perfected. And so how do I love God back? I keep his commandments. No, no different than in the flesh. You, you may look at a partner and you say, well, how do I demonstrate love to that person? Well, there's a lot to it. You, I've got to get to know that person. I've got to understand them. I've got to let them understand me. And we begin to communicate. And things that are uh, annoying or things that are hurtful, those things have to go by the wayside. And we've got to do this dance to where when you meet a great couple that has learned to do that dance years and years and years. And I don't mean the ones that, that, uh, that you know, they go to the restaurant and they put the newspaper up in front of both of their faces. I don't mean that one. I mean the couples that like you see them and they're still holding hands after a long time. They're still talking about their day with each other. They're still joyful and they're in their 70s and 80s. Those couples, when you see those couples, like you realize like, wow, they've spent a lot of time trying to avoid all of the things that would break that relationship down and actually resting in the joy that is not upsetting the other person. Finding ways to dance. And so when we think about God, it's the same way. It's, I don't want to find all the ways that puts me in conflict with my God. I want to find the ways to dance. I want to walk in perfect rest. When God gives a boundary, I'm going there. I'm I'm going to say yes. I'm going to do what God asked me to do. Because over time, I've realized that my option is the flesh or the spirit. And in the flesh, I'm always going to be dealing with all kinds of sorts of consequences. But in the spirit, it's an abiding, an abiding dance. And so for you and for me, as we go this week, we have to remember, you know what? Christ died so that we would not continue in our sin. We don't get loved into sinlessness where we have no sin, but we do get loved to where we will sin less. And and as we look at our lives, we realize that love doesn't cause us to fall, but if we do fall, love has provided an advocate. His name is Jesus. And I'm going to go with the advocate every day over the accuser. And then lastly, if we're doing that, realizing I'm I need to avoid the sin that that drags me down, but I do have an advocate if I fall into sin. Then how do I move forward? How I move forward is I say yes to God over and over and over, and I walk in an abiding rest with him. Basically, I just learn to dance. I say, God, wherever you take me, whatever the next move is, if you want me to dip, we're going to dip. If you want me to go right, we're going right. Go left, we're going left. And at the end of the day, it's a beautiful dance, not because I knew how to dance to begin with, but I learned how to become an excellent follower. And that's who you and I are. We're followers of Jesus. But we can't say we're followers if we're not following his dance. Let's pray.